welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast, the podcast where we talk about elements of the Scripture that make them become real to us, and we do that because we believe that the more real they are, the more power we can draw from them, the more that we identify with the people in them and thus can apply them to our lives. I'm your host, Kerry Mulestein, and this is going to be a short cast where I just talk about a couple of things very briefly, and, and it may even be, we'll see if we want to do a new genre of short cast. Uh, Maybe we're coming up with too many ideas, but uh, a new genre that we, we might call this the G Wiz shortcast, uh, because what, what I want to talk about is really just a number of things, not any huge thing or something that will take long, but a number of things that are uh, just interesting historical or cultural elements that uh, for me just make the story just have a little bit more life to it. But it's uh, you just say G Wiz, and I mean, that's, that doesn't prove the scriptures are true or anything like that. It just kind of makes it more interesting. So as we're doing the Joseph story, I thought there might be a few things that would be uh, interesting to us uh, if we're going to, to talk about the Joseph story. So uh, we're, we're not going to go through all of the details of that story. We know that he's sold uh, and goes down into Egypt. We know that kind of thing was happening. There were regular trade routes and there, were, there was human trafficking in there as well. I've actually looked into that Egyptologically and, and we have some decent evidence for that and lots of evidence for um, Semitic people being brought down into Egypt as servants and slaves. One of the questions we have to ask ourselves is, uh, when, when might this have been happening? And we don't know for sure, but we can get some pretty decent ideas. So if we, we think that Abraham is somewhere around 2000 to 1800 BC, he has an almost 200 year lifespan. So he's somewhere in that window that would put Joseph, who is his um, great grandson, a while after that. And it turns out that it's it's uh, that time period works well because of something that's going on in Egypt. And I'm going to do this briefly here. I want you to know that on my YouTube channel, uh, which is called The Scriptures Are Real, there are two playlists on that YouTube channel. One of those is, is called The Scriptures Are Real, and that's the same thing that if you're just listening to this, it's the same thing as listening to it, but you get a couple of little graphics or you get to see my uh, mug talking. But so, for example, right now, if you're on the YouTube channel, you'd see a little map that I've got up uh, from uh, anyway. Yeah, it's, it's a little map to, just to kind of help you see these things. We try and make this really base for just listening, but it's also sometimes useful to see some things. Uh, but there's another playlist on that YouTube channel, and it's called Old Testament Class Videos. And that's where I just took these hokey little videos I made for my class about 10 uh, or 11 years ago now. I made these videos for my class to get the historical, archaeological, geographical information out of the way uh, before they came to class, so that in class we could talk about the more spiritual and, and weighty and meaty matters. And I've just decided as hokey and bad as they are, in terms of uh, uh, technical production, to just throw those up and make them available for everyone. You can also find the list of these on my website, outofthedust.org. If you go to my uh, the page for Old Testament AIDS, you can find a list of them all there as well. Um, and that's where you'll get, uh, I'll go more into depth on these historical and geographical and archaeological things. So I'm just going to touch on them lightly here, and you can get more by going to those. In any case, uh, we have this... Uh, group of Semites that have come down from probably from northern Syria and that area, and they've established, they're probably even somewhat related to the Phoenicians, and they establish along the, the west branch of the, I mean, sorry, the east branch of the uh, delta of the Nile, so kind of the first thing they could hit as they come down into Egypt, 
they establish a city called Avaris where it, it becomes a serious trading port. It becomes a real economic powerhouse. And over time, uh, so many of them are there and they become so powerful economically that in a way they start to rule that area. And then as what we call Egypt's middle kingdom starts to, to fragment, they're losing some of their centralized power. They can't control everything. They don't have the same ability to, to move troops and uh, control finances and so on. The country starts to fragment and you get different people in different parts of the country saying that they rule Egypt when really they just rule a small part of it. One of those groups is this Hyksos group who reign uh, initially just there in that delta area, but eventually they become powerful enough that they do take over the entire country. And for a while, we call this the second intermediate period in Egyptian history, for a while, they rule all of Egypt. They rule it in a very Egyptianized way. They style themselves pharaohs. Uh, they call themselves pharaohs. They, they uh, have Egyptian trappings and so on, but there's always this little kind of underhint of their original culture as well, an undercurrent of that Semitic uh, underculture. And uh, they, Egyptian sources talk about this big military takeover, but as we look at it more carefully from other textual sources and from archaeological sources and a number of things, it seems like there may have been a little bit of military uh, element of this takeover of the country, but the biggest part of it was really an economic takeover. They seem to have just become so powerful economically that they brought this fragmented and weakened country together under their control with a couple of military skirmishes, but largely they bought the place almost as it were. And so that's what we learned historically. Now couple that with uh, the story of Joseph who comes down into Egypt uh, about, it has to be somewhere around the same time this is happening based on when Abraham's life is and when we can figure out fairly decently how many years later Joseph would have come down there. And it fits right into that right time period and then you get the story of the Pharaoh who pays attention to Joseph, and it actually makes a little bit more sense when you have uh, a Semitic Pharaoh who is very Egyptian, but he's also Semitic, and he's going to be more willing to listen to a fellow Semite, uh, not exactly the same race, but related race, right? So something like uh, maybe Austria and Germans, uh, these, these kinds of things. So he's going to... Um, maybe pay more attention to him, but you also have painted in this picture uh, this pharaoh gaining control through economic takeover as people are starving. And you have in the story that as Joseph, and this is actually, you encounter this in next week's reading, but uh, Joseph is feeding Egypt and you see that first of all, they're coming and they're, they're paying for it. And then eventually they don't have anything left to pay, but they start giving their land Right now, if this were a typical Egyptian pharaoh, the land really belongs to him anyway. So I find it interesting that they're giving him land. And I wonder if we're not reading part of how that Hyksos economic takeover took place, that it was because of this famine and the fact that Joseph had had this pharaoh save up uh, grain so that when all the rest of the country was in need, here was someone who they could turn to who basically used this to become the ruler, not just of his little patch of Egypt, but of all of Egypt. I think that makes a tremendous amount of sense. It also works quite well when we get to the Moses story and it says a Pharaoh arose who, arose who knew not Joseph, that probably would fit in with the time period where we have the Egyptians gaining enough strength in and of themselves and wanting to get rid of this Hyksos group. That's what they're called. Uh, the word Hyksos comes from the Egyptian phrase uh, Hekasut, which is foreign rulers. And they want to get rid of these foreign rulers and rule themselves again. And so they 
there's a, a military uprising and they kick them out and they really want nothing to do with them and they're worried about anyone who might help them and uh, they're very ruthless to groups who it seems like maybe allies and that would make perfect sense in oppressing the Hebrews or the Israelites and making them their servants and slaves. It also makes sense in terms of Joseph marrying Asenath, who his children will have the covenant, uh, whereas we've been taught in the book of Abraham that the Egyptians, the covenant couldn't go through them. But that would make sense if this is a, a Hyksos pharaoh, then he would have a close relative in the most important religious position in the land. And that on or modern day Heliopolis, by the way, that's where you fly in. Uh, if you fly into Egypt, the airport is in Heliopolis. Uh, and so that is where Asenath is from. So that's actually hometown. If you're descended from Ephraim, uh, then welcome home when you get into Heliopolis. This is home territory. In any case, we have uh, this, most likely it's a relative of the Pharaoh who's this priest. And then we have his daughter marrying uh, Joseph. And so if this is a Semitic Pharaoh, then you have a Semitic priest, so then you have a Semitic daughter, and it all works dandy that the covenant goes through them, right? So they're just a number of little puzzle pieces that fit together well. We don't know for sure, but it works really well in that way. So I think there's a decent chance that uh, historically, that's when we're looking at as far as the Joseph story goes. We have several other interesting elements. It all, might also explain why you have uh, uh, Potiphar so willing to raise Joseph to a position of power because he's he's Semitic as well and so on. Who knows, but, but it's possible. Uh, so that, those are some fun things. You remember that Joseph is put into prison. He's put in jail, and then it says everything prospers under his hand there. And, you, you know, I think, well, so what, what are they doing in jail that things would prosper? Uh, making license plates, right? What, what are they doing there? Well, Egyptian jails were often work camps. In fact, many of them, they went to mines and they worked in uh, a mine, or there were other things. So they were work camps. So this would make sense then when Joseph is being uh, tasked with being over prisoners, and they're happy with how well it's prospering. Maybe this jail becomes quite profitable at that time period. So that works really well culturally. So a bunch of little fun historical cultural elements that, that work well there. Uh, we've talked a number of times about how being attuned to the culture and especially the cultural element of symbolic action is important to understand the Old Testament. You see how attuned they are to symbolic action when they all keep putting so much trust in these dreams. Uh, so that's symbolic action happening in a dream. But we have that several times in the Joseph story, the importance of dreams and what they mean. Um, we have little elements like when Joseph is made the what we would call the vizier. So this is the person who's over over the country uh, foreign in behalf of the king kind of the chancellor or the vizier that's the the name we give to it as egyptologists well english-speaking egyptologists uh he's given a ring and he's given a, a gold necklace and we have examples of those exact things happening in egypt as uh, being shown favor and power from the king uh, if you're watching on the youtube video you can see i've brought up a, a picture i took of an inscription on a wall where the king is giving someone a gold necklace that would have been similar to what is happening in the joseph story and so there are a lot of elements uh, culturally that just fit really well and for me that's fun because then i just say ah that, that's that's kind of cool i can picture how it's happening more i understand that they're real and that makes the scriptures more enjoyable and more real for me, and I hope it does for you as well.